Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hey, surprise freaks, it's a bonus episode. We didn't even tell you it was coming. I didn't know it was happening. Well, you've been working a lot. Uh, With the holiday season, oh my God, what did you work, like 15 hours the other day? Yeah, and I'm scheduled for 15 on uh, Monday. So, it's been a a busy week. It's the holiday season. Holidays, but you know, like I said before, I I am blessed with work. So, I'm I'm happy to do it, and they bring me snacks. So, what what more could I ask for? More snacks. I do, and they bring them. (laughs) I did an interview with uh, a guy named, his name is Baron Von Geiger, and he is a world record holding strongman. In addition to so many other things. Yeah, he's a strongman. He has performed in uh, what he lovingly refers to as the freak show circuit all over the country. He's a magician. He's a magician. He is into body modifications. I've seen him hanging from stuff. Yep, he does the hanging from hooks thing, which is terrifying. He's a throwback to the original carnival freak show workers, and he's made it his life. It's something that, and he's a young dude, but he's it, it's it's very important to him. And he has um, performed at some of the top places like Coney Island and Venice Beach and World of Wonders. And since I've been so busy, uh, he was very generous with his time, and you guys hung out together yep. and and had a fun conversation. And I wanted to play that for you. Thank you. So here we go. It's Baron Von Geiger. What do you like to be called? 
Well, I'm billed as the world's strangest strongman. I hold the world record for the most weight picked up by the pierced ears at 100 pounds. Uh, I also hold the world record for most weight picked up with hooks in the eyes. Uh, The hooks do not pierce my eyelids, but they do sit on the inside of my eyelid, and I pick up 25 pounds. Um, And then I can also do a lot of traditional strongman feats like rolling up frying pans, bending steel bars, um, picking people up with my teeth, biting onto a leather bit pulling trucks. I've pulled three trucks using just my teeth in the leather bit, pulled a truck using my ear. Um, so just a lot of old time, like strongman feats, but then I also know how to do like the bed and nails, sword swallowing, fire eating, fire breathing, um, all of the traditional sideshow acts, because you can't just be one person and do one thing. You won't get very far. If you're able to do everything, when someone calls and says, Hey, I need a sword swallower. You can go, yeah, I can do that. Or I need a fire eater. Well, yeah, I can do that. You know? Um, so it's best to have a big bag of, uh, tricks and, you know, so you can get more work and stay busy. You have performed at some of the premier venues that are left in the States. You had like a residency at uh, Coney Island, um, Venice Beach. Yeah, I did the residency at Coney Island. I did not have a residency with the Venice Beach Freak Show, um, but they did offer me to do their TV show when that came out. Um, I turned it down because they were only paying people $150 a day to do the show. Um, I was performing on the boardwalk, giving it away for free, just doing street shows and pulling about 150 bucks an hour. Uh, at that point they were like, well, you know, it's good exposure. And I was like, well, my family's from Northern Maine and people die of exposure every year up there. (laughs) I don't need it. And, uh, so that just, but my business partner at the time, the illustrated penguin wanted to do the TV show. He wanted to be on TV. Um, so he did the show and he had an all right time with it. Uh, the show ended up failing miserably because it was just fake and people could tell right off the back. It was fake. Is that a problem with, uh, this generation of performers? Um, not really. I mean, part of it is like people do it just to be cool. They want cool points for it. And there is a certain level of that. Yeah, for sure. Like, but to maintain it right and to be a good performer, it's gotta be more than that. If you're just doing it for cool points, you're not gonna, you're either going to rip somebody off cause you're not going to come up with your own original stuff or you're just not going to have a real heart into it. You can tell the people that have their heart into it because they're either coming up with something new or just their showmanship. Um, really, you know, nothing's really original anymore. There's millions of us out there. It's all been done. Um, it's just how you present it. You know, when I first started, Oh, you can't do that because so-and-so does that. Well, you know what? So-and-so is not here and -and so-and-so is not paying my paycheck. So when they start signing my check, then maybe I'll stop eating fire or maybe I'll stop putting hooks in my eyes or maybe I'll stop doing the blockhead or whatever it is that they think is their signature act. Not the case. You've probably seen a lot of that. You, you actually taught at Coney Island as well, right? I mean, people that are coming in that want to learn some of these skills, and then perhaps not representing them with the honor that they they deserve? Um, I don't know if it's the honor that they deserve. It's maybe these people don't have a stage presence. So I was opposed to the Coney Island Sideshow School for a long time. Still kind of am just because of the way that they're teaching people. Because it's not about putting a quality performer out there. It's about getting the dollars for them. And I understand they're a non-for-profit arts organization and they need to keep as much money as they can to keep running. And that's great. But, you know, they're putting out a lot of crap. 
And when you do that, it floods the market and it makes things a lot harder. Um, when I was, when I did my residency at Coney Island, uh, I wasn't officially the teacher of the Coney Island Sideshow School, but they let anyone who was a member of the cast sit in and, and help out. And I made it a point too, because I wanted to let these kids know, Hey, it's not all about what, this isn't the only part of it. This isn't the only thing you learn or need to know about it. You know, yeah, you can jam a nail into your nose. Well, so can anyone else. If they try hard enough, you need to learn how to present that act. Uh, it's only 1% doing it. It's 99% presenting it. And if you can't present it, then don't do it. And then what happens is they screw the market because they either do the shows for free or next to nothing. Their shows are not quality. So when you, uh, when someone else like myself or a you know, professional performer comes and tries to talk to a new venue and they're like, nah, we're not interested. We had some of that freak show stuff out here before and it didn't do well. The performer was guard. You know, they think they're going to lump you in with that, even though your quality is 10 times better, 100 times better than the person that just came from the sideshow school. And not everyone that goes to the sideshow school is going to be a bum. Uh, there, Ray Valens, who ended up going to the sideshow school, they found him there. He was a great talker already, a magician type. He was going to further his skill set. And the uh, host of the Coney Island sideshow, Donnie Vomit at the time, was leaving. Uh, they heard Ray. Ray had an awesome presence. They picked the kid up, um, and now I think he's still the host. I'm not for sure. I don't really keep up. You mentioned that uh, you're a kid from northern Maine. How does a kid from northern Maine not only conceive the dream of being a sideshow performer, but actually achieve it at some of its highest levels? Well, as far as, like, I traveled. I went, did the Army thing when I turned 18, got out of the Army, wasn't quite sure what I was doing with myself, was living in Rockland, Maine, working at overnights at Home Depot, uh, taught myself a whole bunch of stuff, taught myself how to do the human blockhead, uh, was already picking stuff up. Like I was working overnights at Home Depot, pulling the guys on the Home Depot carts with my earlobes, like <laughs> as they're standing on the carts. So I left that Home Depot and moved to Philadelphia because I met a sword swallower. She was down there. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go, you know, and me and this girl start dating. I transferred from uh, overnights in Rockland, Maine to tool rental in Philadelphia. Crazy big city, you know, biggest city I'd lived in at the time. And I got with a good group of people and just kept pumping and doing more things. And I was doing things that they weren't. So I was lifting things with my ears. No, no way didn't have anybody in the crew that could do that. And I just started filling the strongman act. And, uh, yeah, it just kept going from there and getting bigger and bigger. And I kept paying attention and I listened to the old timers. Um, I had early on in my career, I was able to meet, uh, Red Stewart, who is the oldest living sword swallower right now also holds the world record for the most swords swallowed. He taught me a whole lot. Red's show is kind of bland. Um, if you ever see it, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but it's also from the 1960s and he hasn't changed it much. And he, you know, Red tried to do the convention thing, but red spot, he is a true carny through and through. And that's where he's at right now, working the carnival lot. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned that you've met some of the old timers. If you could go back in time and meet any legendary performer, who would that be and why? Raz McNilson, probably. Um, he worked for Ringling Brothers. Uh, he was a strong man as well, blacksmith from San Diego area. I know West Coast, somewhere out in that area, maybe Camp Pendleton. Um, but he had two large piercings in his nipples, and he would pick up 200-pound anvils and things with his Good nipples. Uh, but he was a strong man, tattooed from head to toe, strong man. And I was like, all right, that guy's 
awesome. Like, if I'm going to be a strong man, I, I'm going to be a strange strong man like that guy. How long ago was he uh, at his peak? Oh, man, we're talking like 60s. Yeah, like uh, the golden age of sideshow. There's, you know, like right around that time. Talking about lifting anvils with your nipples, that really makes my butthole clench. <laughs> um, have you ever seen an act or heard tell of one that freaked you out? Um, yeah, there's a few out there. Um, and they're not necessarily freak show. Uh, there's this uh, guy, his name's Sampa von Cyborg. Sampa is a body modifier from Finland. And what I mean by body modifier, he doesn't do tattoos or piercings. I mean, he can do piercings, but he does implant work, tongue splits, ear pointing, like the heavy modification work that is illegal in a lot of the places in the United States. Uh, Sampa also has a, he had, uh, I guess they were calling it a blood show of some sort where they, he would basically perform things like, uh, he had a female on stage and he would cut her open and put his hand inside under her skin or run skewers through her breast. And that's, that was real. That wasn't an illusion. That was a hundred percent real. He would sew her back up everything. Like it was just an exposition of the body and the skin and stuff. What, what kind of benefits do you think that job had good insurance? (laughs) I don't know, man. Those, those guys out from Scandinavia, they're just a totally different breed. Uh, I got my first implant in Scandinavia. I have a hook on the side of my head and it's just a silicone hook. Scandinavia, does it have a connection to like the uh, the death metal movement? Somewhat, yeah. Uh, that and also um, there's a lot of people there are still very much in touch with their Viking heritage from that area. So they very much are like very tough, rugged people. And, and so they show that in some ways. And so when I got my implant, uh, we did use a, a local anesthetic. Uh, in that particular country, it's legal. In the United States, it's not. Uh, but he asked me beforehand, "Hey, do you do you want to just do this without the anesthetic?" And I'm like, "No, I'm 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 good on that one." <laughs> and so, but he was telling me that there's a guy who comes in and gets implants. He's actually in prison because in Helsinki, Finland, they let you out on the weekends. They get like weekend furloughs and stuff. Uh, so this guy was coming in and getting transdermal implants, and those are the type that. Um, like the screw in horns and stuff. And they're pretty invasive. Uh, And he was doing them without any anesthetic at all. Just taking it. (laughs) Wow. That, uh, that certainly takes a, a special type of person. Most definitely. I mean, I can breathe through a lot of pain, but who, I don't know. That one's rugged (laughs) for sure. Right now, you're not performing regularly. You're, you're doing a few shows here and there. Any, any thoughts of going back on the road? Mm, it would have to be a really good show for me to get off the road or get back on the road. I, I really, uh, I spent 12 years touring full time, uh, gave up my apartment, everything. and was just like, Hey, I'm on the road. Uh, ended up touring all over Europe, South America, just all over. And then I wanted to do some things that were not so much freak show related, but just something different. And I couldn't do those things without, Uh, being on the road. Uh, One of the things I really like to do is foundry work. I melt metal and pour it in the shapes and things like that. Uh, Can't do that on the road. Have to have a permanent place to do that. And then I really got into like, because of the foundry work stuff, I got into 3D printing and I've been doing a lot of that stuff now. And and then also my days with the circus, uh, when we were out touring on our own, we made our own merch. And so I've taken those skills that I've learned and I have an apparel printing business now. And uh, we have the tattoo shop here in Bangor. Um, the which, which I got a tattoo at, by the way, <laughs> I'm the head piercer at the shop. I'm the only piercer at the shop. So I've got all that stuff going on and it kind of keeps you grounded. So it's harder to like go out and do that. So it's, 
for me, I would much rather stay at home now and help mentor other people in doing it and doing it right and learning from the mistakes that I made because that's where we need people now. Uh, all the guys out there that are trying to represent themselves, it's really difficult. I book tours all around the world just using Facebook and Gmail and it's hard. Um, I wish I had some people there to, to kind of steer me in the right direction at times. And that's kind of where I feel that we need to be. Cause if we don't do that, we're going to lose what we have. Is it a dying industry? Yes and no. Um, so to quote red Stewart, you are not a freak show performer or a sideshow performer unless you've actually done it on a real show. And I'm not talking like Coney Island or any stage show because that is a stage show. The way red presented it to me is if you didn't go out and put up the banner line, put up the tent, uh, tear it all down when the show is over with perform during the show build the staging and all that stuff then you're not a real freak show performer because that's what it was and that's where it started and that's how you know it was in the day um, now red considers people who work at Coney Island and any of those like the bar shows and stuff they are actors that know freak show skills and put them to use but they're not real freak show performers in the traditional sense correct considering that since there's really not a place that uh, people can go and do that, you know, like you said, pretty much learn to run the entire show, do the ballet, set the banners, all of that. Has that day come and gone? Um, as far as I know, there are three shows out there doing that. Um, there's a potential for two others to do it. Uh, I know one, they haven't really left winter quarters and the other one, there's just been a lot of legal issues with. So yes, in a way it is dying off. There is only a handful of people out there that you can do it in the entire world. There's always somebody out there that wants to try to do it. And the issue with that, and I've seen it happen with some of the old timers will even tell you, you know, you get uh, an investor that comes in and they see this as like, Oh, it's a great business opportunity. There's gonna be a lot of money made and there will be at times, but you know, you don't know whether this spot might make you a hundred thousand dollars in the two weeks that you're there. And that spot might put you in the whole hundred thousand dollars. So it's, it's all hit or miss. I have a, a decent, oddities collection and it's always growing um, because that's also one of the great things about being in this industry is uh, I've got to meet a lot of people who have freak animals and different things like that so when something comes up for sale I get asked if I want it um, and sometimes I pick it up or sometimes I you know will find a piece that I want and there's three pieces and I'll sell the other two pieces to get the piece that I want you know wheeling and dealing in such a way but so how, how big a oddities collection do you have and what's your favorite piece um oh that's a tough one uh there's some things in my collection that are not uh like the horn nut it's a, not anything that's particularly odd but i got it from bobby reynolds and it's an old pitch that he used to make about the horn nut and he would sell this thing and if you put it in water it would you know in three days you'd have a beautiful lily well the problem with it is is the circus is not in town for that third day <laughs> so they've sold you this thing and it's all set up and they they got you they got your money and you know, they're going out of town and nothing ever happens. And you got this little horn nut looking thing. What about wet specimens? You have any of those? Oh, yeah. I've got a few uh, two headed turtles, uh, a couple pigs here and there. Um, I'm working on getting a cyclops pig and an eight legged pig here soon. Um, we have a conjoined twin pig, uh, three legged chicken. I have some taxidermy stuff as well. Um, we have a two headed taxidermy bat, a two headed taxidermy duck. Um, Oh, what else was there? there's a bunch of stuff um i have a bunch of old circus posters and stuff as well that i like to like it all it's all in my same collection stuff so i kind of like uh what's there you know the, the you know when i find i through my travels of all over the world 
Uh, I stopped at antique shops and stuff like that. And you find some things. I was in Minnesota one time and I found a bayonet. It was right outside Minneapolis at an antique shop. And I found this bayonet. They had a bunch of bayonets there, but this particular one just kept speaking to me. So I pull it out of the sheath and I look at it and it's already been ground down. And it's not been ground down recently because we don't swallow sharp swords. You have to prepare the sword. And uh, I gave it a good look over and I took it to an older sword swallower that I knew and said, yeah, this belonged to a sword swallower at one point. They were almost certain of it. And, you know, the antique shop had had it for like a good 15 years. So I don't know who had it. There's no markings on it, but I have it. I've I've never swallowed it. Uh, It's kind of a scary swallow. Honestly, it's a. Uh, pretty thick on one end for a bayonet. And it's just like, I'm not quite there yet. My sword swallowing skills are pretty weak, honestly. It's probably one of my weakest uh, sideshow acts that I do personally. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, I, I watching, even though I know the person that's doing it as a professional, it's still just, oh my God, that could go horribly wrong. If somebody is interested in getting in touch with you, maybe they have some questions. I know that we'll probably get a lot of emails and stuff. Do you have um, some contact information that you'd like to give? Yeah, you can. Uh, Baron Von Geiger at Gmail is an email address that probably works the best to get a hold of me. Um, or you can just find me on Facebook. It's Baron Von Geiger. Um, message me through there, usually. Baron, thanks a lot. No worries. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Baron Von Geiger, uh, great guy. Love him. He's uh, he's a talented guy, and he's got a great sense of humor. I'm with him, too, on that whole blood show thing in Scandinavia. Well, it's interesting, for sure. And I think it's the same idea as, you know, people want to go to those, what's it called, the body world? The yeah, right, body works. Or, body works, yeah. yeah, those shows. You know, you're, people are interested in what the body is built of. Yeah, but they're dead already. Would you go to a show where a guy cut a woman open and put his hand inside her? I mean, and it not be an illusion, just a real deal or skewers through the breast? Would you do that? She's into it, right? Uh, I mean, it's absolutely something that she's, you know, I mean, I guess. guess. Sure. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't gross me out in in the way that it might some Maybe I become desensitized because I've seen so many <laughs> horrible horror movies. Uh, but it, it, there's that that sheer interest in how the body works and yeah. the idea that you can. I don't know. I guess uh, to a certain extent, we kind of see our bodies as being a solid thing. And it's 100% not. You know, it's layers and it's juices and it's bits. And, you know, so I, I guess it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think I'd be more into the hand under the skin than I would the skewer through the breast. <laughs> that would, yeah. Would that make your butthole clench? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. All right. The bonus box. There you go. Uh, absolutely no charge. Actually, all of our shows are absolutely no charge. We will see you on Monday. We just completed Monday's episode and that is ready to go. So we'll see you in a little more than a day. It wouldn't be the box of oddities without you closing by saying, keep flying your freak flag. Well, now you've already said it. Fly it proudly, beautiful freak. Mixing it up for the bonus box. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The box of oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. 
have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.